Hey everyone, welcome back to Southern Pride Storytime. Today we're going to start The Snow Queen from Hans Christian Andersen. Published in 1845, this is one of Andersen's longest tales. In 1923, Disney was considering making a biography of Hans Christian Andersen and including animated segments that were in some of his more prominent stories. They struggled with the Snow Queen, not the story, but the character. In the book, she's a pretty one-note evil villain without a lot to build off from. This was at a time where Disney villains like Maleficent and Lady Tremaine carried almost as much of the story as the heroes. This eventually led to the cancellation of the project. In the 1990s, after the success of The Little Mermaid, Disney considered trying the story again, but in 2002, they shelved the project again. Michael Eisner suggested trying to get Pixar involved with the project. After Disney acquired Pixar, they took another stab at the project once again, and they could not find a way to make the Snow Queen an interesting character for audiences. Personally, I think this is a lot of trouble over a character that barely appears in the story. It's named after the Snow Queen, but it's not about the Snow Queen. So you really don't see her very much. She only has a little handful of lines and she, again, you spend most of your time with Gerda. So to me, I think they just went to way too much trouble trying to focus on a character that's not the focus of the story. But I also don't have Disney's budget to work with on multiple attempts of the exact same product. So the product they made in the end is so focused on this very minor character that they altered the story beyond recognition for their cash cow movie. That's right. It's another episode of Disney Lied to You, and this one deviates further than any other Disney story we've covered so far. And uh, considering what they did to Hercules, that's really saying something. This is one of the loosest adaptations I have ever seen. I actually saw the Frozen movie before I read The Snow Queen, and... Uh, I was shocked that these were supposed to be the same story. You're used to with Disney adaptations of stories, there being something in common. Both stories have a reindeer and a queen with ice powers, but that's about it. And they are vastly different characters and vastly different stories. I, again, had no idea what I was in for when I read the Snow Queen for the first time. I'm like, this can't be right because it, is not at all similar to what you expect if you've only been exposed to Frozen. To the point where in the credits, it's almost a bald-faced lie when they say that it's inspired by every single character is different from their name to their motivations to their role in the plot. They are about as similar as kangaroos and cactuses. Don't believe me? Let's start. Disney's Frozen opens with Kristoff and Sven attempting to harvest ice. Many of the sources that I use think that these ice cutters represent the Sami, a native culture that live in Lapland, which is referenced in Anderson's story. There are several physical traits of Kristoff, like his blonde hair, that don't particularly fit here, but it is a fictionalized version of this part of the world. The North Oldra people in Frozen are thought to have been based on the Sami, and in Frozen 2, their appearance is a lot more on point. If this is actually what Disney was aiming for, I assume that it is the case, since the opening song is taken directly from Sami culture, and in Frozen 2, 
the Sami were even asked to consult on the culture in order to create the Nolthodra. The Nolthodra people are definitely based on the Sami in Frozen 2. It's implied that they are in Frozen 1. For a better idea on this culture's clothing, culture, and language, they also appear specifically by name in Netflix's Klaus, which is a great movie. And since it's November, it should be popping back up anytime now. Anyway, we then hop over to see Anna and Elsa playing with Elsa's ice powers. There's an accident, and Elsa accidentally strikes her little sister with ice, knocking her unconscious. Concerned that these powers are too much for a child, the girl's parents take her to visit the rock trolls for help as Kristoff follows out of curiosity. The chief troll, Grandpoppy, is able to save Anna, but takes away her memory of Elsa's powers. He warns Elsa that she must learn how to control her powers and that fear will be her enemy. So, naturally, this event fills the little tiny eight-year-old Elsa's life with nothing but fear. Her powers were once a source of joy and pride and beauty. She was excited to learn what she could do with them and how she could help her people. After this event, she thinks of these powers as something that can only hurt people, and out of fear of that power, people may want to hurt her. She hides herself to hide her secret and her shame, both to protect herself from others and to protect others from herself. Her abilities are triggered by her emotions, so like her powers, she becomes stone cold, hiding the few emotions that she allows herself to feel at all. She hides away where she can't embarrass her family or endanger her people. Even her sister is not allowed to see her. In Elsa's mind, she has attacked the person who she loves most, and by being a risk to Anna, she feels that she's also unworthy of her company. Anna's confused about why her sister suddenly doesn't want anything to do with her anymore, and this divide only grows when their parents pass away in a shipwreck, leaving them both with no one. The Snow Queen opens just a tiny bit differently with a demonic goblin. This goblin made a mirror that made everything it reflected that was good appear bad or worthless, and everything bad appeared beautiful and good. Today we call this the mainstream news media, but in Anderson's story, it's a mirror. Everything was distorted, and the other demons loved this mirror so much that they wanted to take it to heaven and see the angels reflected in it and see how it affects them. So they took it and flew high above the ground. They were nearly to heaven when they accidentally dropped the mirror and it shattered. It became millions of pieces, no bigger than sand, and they blew all over the world on the wind. If a bit of this mirror flew into someone's eye, it would stick there, and then the person would see only the bad in every great and beautiful thing. The closest we see to Disney touching on this is in season four of their drama series, Once Upon a Time, which features Anna and Elsa along with their aunt, who becomes known as the Snow Queen, while Elsa is called the Ice Queen. Anyone who gets this glass in their eye wouldn't know about it, but see everything around them in a twisted, hateful way. In the TV series, we even see beloved heroes like Snow White and Cinderella attack each other. Some people even got a piece of the mirror stuck in their hearts. This would make their heart cold like a lump of ice, just like Frozen, if you are struck in the heart by Elsa's powers, even though for Elsa's powers, this is a bit more real, a little bit more literal. Um, 
in Anderson's tale, you become cold and frozen in the sense that you're just kind of a cold, hateful person. Disney decided to go that next step and make it so you literally freeze solid, which is a little different way to put it, but, you know, that's fine. The goblin is as happy as a clam about causing all of this chaos. These days, there are still hundreds of tiny bits of glass floating around in the air, but this is the story of just one of them. It says just one of them in Anderson's Tale, but really it's two. And you'll see what I mean next time. Thank you for tuning in today, and I hope you enjoy the rest of our story.